In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. St. Paul makes it sound so easy. He tells us to put off the old man and put on the new. The language he uses here refers to changing clothes. Putting off used to be shortened to doff. Maybe you've heard the expression like doff your hat. It means to take it off. Put on was shortened to don, which we're more likely to hear. Think of like donning a new outfit or in the Christmas song, don we now our gay apparel. Changing clothes is so easy. It's so easy. Doff the old man and don the new. Paul makes it sound so easy. Stop being evil. Start being good. That's what he says. And that's certainly the point, that it is easy. But lest we think by this that going from a bad guy to a good guy is as simple as simply taking off your black hat and replacing it with a white hat, let's consider the lesson more deeply. We know that even in books and movies, there is more involved in redemption. There is inner conflict There are events that cause a man to reconsider his path. There is some goodness deep inside that must be fanned to flame or recognized in order for the good in man to overcome the evil in man, at least enough for him to be identified as good rather than evil. Now, such conflict is familiar to us, and so such stories of redemption are attractive to us. We want the good guy to win and the bad guy to lose, but even better is when the bad guy becomes the good guy, because then we can really identify with him. So doff the old man and don the new, St. Paul tells us. But is it so simple? The old man is the old Adam, and this refers to the sinful nature which we inherited from Adam. The Bible teaches us that we were all born in his image, There is no good deep inside of us. There is no spark that can be fanned to flame. The Bible says that we are altogether corrupt from birth, from conception, with no good at all. Whatever looks like good might make for a good story, but before God, it is nothing but sin. That's what the Bible teaches. St. Paul teaches in Romans 5, As through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And again, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So how then does one doff this? How does one simply take this off like an old garment? There is nothing good inside by nature. As we sing in the hymn, all mankind fell in Adam's fall. One common sin infects us all. Which line even made it into our Lutheran confessions? Or as the next stanza puts it, from hearts depraved to evil prone flow thoughts and deeds of sin alone. God's image lost, the darkened soul, nor seeks nor finds its heavenly gold. With nothing to stir up within, how then is one compelled to take this off? How can one take it off? 
How, when to take off this fleshly garment is itself to die? As God told Adam, in that day you will surely die. And who can bear it? Who can change? Not even Adam. When Adam first discovered his nakedness, he and his wife made crude clothing for themselves with fig leaves. It is, in fact, the first joke in Scripture. Not because it's untrue or didn't happen, but because it is so pathetic that it's funny. God in heaven must laugh, and we must learn to. God created him naked and unashamed, and now he tries to cover his deep inner shame by covering himself on the outside as though God wouldn't notice? Think of that. Man always thinks it's external. Always thinks it's external. He's so focused on the external. He blames his soul's blemishes deep inside on the outside world. Call it society. Call it whatever you will. Some outside problem. Just like Adam blamed his sin on his wife when his wife was the best thing that ever happened to him. He tries to cover his deep corruption with outer covering. Adam cannot bear to be bare. His attempt to cover his inner guilt by means of outer clothing represents every ridiculous attempt of man to hide his sin from God. If covering our sinful nature with outer vestments is impossible, how much less are we able to remove our sinful flesh altogether? We can't escape. The answer, however, is in the simplicity. You cannot bear it. You cannot dare to stand naked before God unless God provides a new garment. Let me quote at length what St. Paul writes in this vein. It is found in 2 Corinthians 5, in which he calls our sinful flesh a tent, as though we are naked and a tent is clothing us. And then he compares our heavenly home to clothing. For we know, he writes, that if our earthly house This tent, he's talking about the flesh, our bodies, as we sing in the hymn, that our souls are in heaven, but our bodies are below. If this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, in this earthly body, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed because they wore around them the favor of God, their perfect innocence as God's perfect creatures. We can't bear to be unclothed now that we are sinners in mortal flesh. We cannot bear to be unclothed unless God provides better clothing. In Genesis chapter 3, as we study in Bible class after service today, God provided Adam and Eve with the skin of animals. And by this, he foreshadowed and gave a sort of sacrament. 
He foreshadowed the promise he just made and gave them something material by which they could hold on to this promise. Namely, that the seed of the woman would feel the mortal blow of the devil in the course of crushing the devil's lying head. This means that he would bear our sin in order to gain victory over his venom, to silence the devil's lies by which sin entered the world. Jesus would give his life into punishment for all lies told and believed by man. It is a sin to tell and believe lies, especially lies about God. And Jesus bore all of this sin. He would bear all sin in his own body. He would bear all punishment in his own soul. He, the second Adam, who lived a perfect and holy life in perfect love toward God and love toward his neighbor, obedience to all authority and compassion towards all the afflicted. And he would bear all of our sin. He himself would be exposed as a sinner, naked on the cross and mocked. And he would rise again with forgiveness of sins, not in vengeance, with terror, but with pardon and peace. There is no repentance, no putting off the old man without Christ offering himself as better clothing. St. Paul tells us that as many of us who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He says the same thing in Romans 6 when he says that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. This is to say that we were made naked and exposed and everything was made bare for God to judge. And what did God do in our baptism? Did he judge you and me? No, he wrapped us in the righteousness of him who was judged for us. So we are buried through baptism into the death by which all your sin, all my sin was judged and paid for. We were buried with him through baptism into death, St. Paul continues in Romans 6, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too should walk in newness of life. There is no doffing without dawning. There is no repentance without absolution ready at hand. There is no burying or drowning the old Adam without a robe of righteousness clean as snow ready to wrap you and clothe you before God. There is no taking heart. There is no being of good cheer without the forgiveness of sins and the reason to be bold and courageous before God. This is what that word means when Jesus says, take heart. It is where we get the English word dare. It's related etymologically to be daring and bold. It is impossible. Jesus says, be bold to a man who knows his sin. Be bold and courageous before God. It is impossible. But it is not. 
It is no more impossible than a paralyzed man, man picking up his mat and walking home. And this, we know, is the easy part. For what is easier? What is easier? To walk when you are able to walk, which many men can do, or to believe the gospel, to take heart and courage before God who sees your sin and you see it too, and to know that he does not condemn you, to have this faith, which faith can only be worked by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What is easier? To pay the debt of Adam and all his children and to clothe sinners with righteousness? Or having been forgiven all your sins, to walk in newness of life? It is easy. It is easy because the newness of life springs and follows from the work which Christ has done for you. It is easy to walk when Jesus enables you to walk. It is by far the greater miracle that you, a sinful child of Adam, believe your sins are forgiven and take to heart and assume the boldness of a child of God, believing what God says about your baptism. And you believe it. You believe it. God has worked this faith in your heart to believe it. Your sins are forgiven and you believe it. You are clothed by faith in the righteousness of Christ. The greatest work is done. The greatest part is by God's pure grace, as we saw in our epistle, in our gospel lesson, and it is as we read in Ephesians chapter 2 before our epistle lesson, which we know well. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. The faith isn't even of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The impossible has already happened. So what is this changing of clothes? What is this doffing the old man and donning the new man? It is as easy as walking when you are able to walk. How did the man walk who was paralyzed? The same way you walk and I walk. Jesus gave the paralytic the power to walk. God has given you and me the power to walk. But Jesus gave him power to walk not to save him, but that by his walking he might prove the authority he had just exercised in forgiving him. So you walk in newness of life. Do the works that God has prepared for you to do. It is the easy part. The hard part is believing it. The easy part is acting like you do. And acting like you do consists chiefly in this. As St. Paul tells us, to put off the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. In other words, don't trust what you want. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust how other people who make you mad 
make you feel. Don't trust your desire to get even. Don't trust your desire to establish righteousness and justice and fairness. This is what your flesh wants. This is what the old Adam wants. This is not what you want. Trust the desire of God instead. He desires to save you. Trust Jesus' word. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Consider what this teaches us. As you distrust the desires of your heart, the desires of your flesh, and you trust God's word, think of what this means, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It means that you have something to think about. It means that you consider with your mind not only your sin and the cause to be ashamed you have, but what Christ has done to turn all wrath of God away, to redeem you and reconcile you to the Father. Walk unashamed, not by fulfilling your desires, but by confessing them to God. The real you is the new you. The real you is the new man who believes the gospel. The real you is the one who knows how to walk. The old man and the new man are not two parts of you. They are incompatible. The old man must be judged as filthy and unclean, and the new man must rise again. The old man was crucified on the cross with Jesus. The new man rose again with life and peace to give to you. So consider what this means. That you put off the old and don the new. It means that your baptism clothes you in Christ, that you, are, that you are righteous before God, clothed in the robe of his own obedience. And it not only presents you as a saint before your maker, but also enables you to live a new life, a life you couldn't have lived had Jesus not been your Savior. For you are born from above. This is what your baptism gives you. You've got a new life to live. So live it. God revealed to you his saving truth, and this truth has set you free. So put away lying. Speak the truth with your Christian neighbor. It was by believing the devil's lie that Adam fell and became ashamed of his dependence on God. So speak the truth. Let others depend on you and depend on others, especially when you are all depending on the same mercy of Christ. Don't speak the truth about your neighbor. Speak the truth to your neighbor. We belong to the same body. We are truly thine own members. We speak the same language to each other. We speak the truth. If we have something to say about another, dear Christians, we have something to say to one another. For why has God ever uncovered us and made us naked? Why has God ever removed from us the old man, the old clothing, and revealed what is hidden underneath in our hearts? Why has he ever done this to expose us to judgment? No, but to teach us honesty in our own hearts and to give us better clothing. And so we are to do for one another. You have a new life to live so get angry at sin. Get angry at false teaching. Get angry at whatever offends the majesty of God. Get angry at whatever hurts the body of Christ. Get angry, but 
do not sin. In your anger, don't sin against your brothers and sisters. In your anger, funnel all that offends you and all that offends God to seek peace and pursue it, to reconcile with the one who doesn't know he's naked. Seek to clothe those who have hurt you. Seek to forgive those who have sinned. But that is what God does. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you do, you invite the devil into your life to attack your faith. And he loves to stir up hatred and suspicion. He's an expert at it, and he has been from the beginning. It is by lying that he kills. Do not let him. For you are born from above. You are born from the truth. You have a new life to live. You put stealing away from you altogether. If it isn't yours, don't take it. You protect your neighbor's reputation as his most cherished possession on earth. You defend and speak well of him, for he can replace his car, he can replace his coat. But how will you help him replace his reputation when you have destroyed it? Work with your own hands what is good. Just as you use your tongue to seek peace, to repair broken relationships, you use your hand and all that you have, all you have at your disposal, to do good to those who have need of good. And you do all of this not to be justified before God. You do all of this because you are. Jesus forgave the paralytic, and then he gave him power to walk. And so he has done for you. Your sins are forgiven. And so he gives you power to walk in newness of life. He had the right to do it. And by our newness of life, we confess to the world and we confess to one another that Jesus had every right to forgive me my sins. And you confess to me that he had every right to forgive you. You confess to me this wonderful truth by loving me. Confess to one another the same by bearing with each other's weaknesses, by speaking the truth and putting away all lying, by seeking peace and pursuing it. It's easy, but it's the hardest thing in the world because you still have this old man hanging around your neck until the day you die. But it's not a matter of fanning to flames the spark of goodness or suppressing the shadow of darkness, like we might see in the dramatic unfolding of a movie about a good guy becoming, or a bad guy becoming good. It is a matter of drowning and rising. It is a matter of identifying yourself according to what God has clothed you in, and so identifying one another and addressing one another according to what God has clothed us all in. We are members of one body. We are truly one another's members because our head is Christ. He is our helmet of salvation. He is our robe of righteousness. He is our full armor, and he is beautiful and good, and he clothes us in this beauty and goodness. It is easy. The hard part is done. Every time you say amen to the absolution, the easy part is accomplished through many troubles and sorrows. But it is the easy part. It is the easy part. Because you don't trust in your ability to put on a better front. You trust in Jesus' authority to forgive you all your sins. 
and to present you holy and righteous before God right now by faith and hereafter in the life to come by every sight and sense he will then grant us through his pure grace and mercy. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus unto eternal life. Amen. Amen.